Well, good morning, everybody. I introduced myself before. I'm Brad. I'm not Pastor Ryan. It says Pastor Ryan would be delivering this message in your program, but he got sick. So um, I got a call yesterday, and it's like, hey, um, hey, Brad, we've tried to find um, someone to fill in for Pastor Ryan. We've tried everybody. <laughs> now we're calling you. Do you know anybody? <laughs> and um, I said, well, no. Um, but, and so here I am. So they... Um, so it's like we were talking about this with someone's laughing around. It's like coming in from the bullpen, you know, when a baseball game stretching all along and all the pitchers have been used up from long games. It's like, who else do we have back there? Well, I'm that guy today. So hopefully, um, hopefully we can spend some time together and have fun. And so they, they're searching for people. And it's like, well, I guess that'll do, pig. That'll do. And they, they picked me to do it. So here I am. And so I'm excited to be with you this morning. I really, just goofing around, though, I really consider it a privilege to be able to share with you. I enjoy being a pastor here at Grace Church. I work with our, you know, with our families, with our kids, specifically with our teenagers most of the time where I spend my time with our high school students. I love that. I love those guys. They're awesome young people, and they're going to change the world. Um, and we're gonna, um, if not, they're going to die trying, and I appreciate that about some of our kids and the excitement that they have. I appreciate the joy of being together with you guys. And what I really love is stories. And when I watch that clip there, I want to hear where all their stories are. You know, I want to hear what really is their story, what's going on, how has God changed people's lives? Because our life change stories is really a remarkable thing. Think about it. I once was this, but now I am this, and it's all because of God. You know, people can argue with you a whole bunch about a lot of different things, but one thing they can't argue about is your, your life is changing, right? And there's something different about you. I might not agree with you, but your life really is different. And we can tell people about who Jesus is and explain that joy with them and, and, and just enjoy that. So I'd encourage you to keep sharing your stories with your friends. You, you do the hashtag. I'm sorry, Jimmy Fallon, hashtag Justin Timberlake. Um, my life changed when? Um, and then put on your story. If you don't mind videotaping those, if you put them up on your, whatever social media it is that you use, you know, if you're my age or whatever, you might use ones that are different than the young people and all that stuff. But whatever it is, you use whatever it is and get that story out there. I'd encourage, sharing our story is great because when we share our story, people get to know a little bit about more about who we are. But it also gets us to share our story, gets us good practice at it and gets us better at doing that. And we should become people who know our story, know how God has changed our life. And if you have a story where God has changed your life, get that out there. And if you're a follower of Christ, you have that story. God has shaped your life and is changing your life. Get that out there. Maybe, maybe you'll start some conversation with your coworkers and they may be interested in your faith and those things. It's a great way to do that. If you're high school, I really would encourage you to do that. Because social media is so much of where your presence is in life. Get that out there and look for good conversations to start in your hallways of school and all that. I really would um, just enjoy those stories. So we're going to talk about something today um, that maybe when you think about life change, it might not hit you right away, but we're going to look at a story today that kind of shows a person and see see three different individuals who are faced with a life-changing event and how their life changed when they chose peace. And we're going to watch a video here from someone here in a little bit as well. But um, just to see how, how God changed people's lives. And we're going to go to the book of Philemon. It's not a book we go to a whole lot. It's a short book. It's only one chapter. So it's just Philemon. We're going to go to verses 8 through 21. We're going to spend some time, just a little bit of time in there looking at the three individuals in the story. Philemon was a book that was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote this story while he was in prison. He wrote this, wrote this letter. He wrote it to a guy named Philemon who was a slave owner. And it was about his uh, runaway slave named Onesimus. So when you think about slavery, I, I, I kind of want us to forget about, um, you know, the picture of slavery we have when we think about it um, in our American history. It's different than that. You know, um, people at the times, those slaves still weren't given all the rights that, that um, you know, that, regular, that other people were given at, at that time. But in the Bible, the slavery we're talking about isn't, wasn't quite the same as what we're understanding now. 
There's some different things, different commitments that were made, responsibilities and different things like that. What's great about the New Testament, when we see about Jesus, the way he approached the, um, slavery, it was talking about no matter what your situation is, whether you're free or slave, it's all what matters is who are you inside? Are you a follower of Christ? And it really gives equal worth to all people and, and all that. So let's go to the book of Philemon, verse 8. So remember, Paul is writing this from prison. He's not sitting in some fancy place sometime, someplace, you know, just tweeting out events of his life. He's not sitting there in some fancy car riding down the road saying, let me dictate some thoughts to you, Philemon. No, he's sitting in prison. The only reason why he's in prison is because he loves Jesus so much that he wants to tell the world about him. That's it. So um, just think about that context there. And he's writing it to Philemon, who, um, you know, had, who was offended here in a second. We'll talk about that. So verse 8, it says, therefore, oh, you can, if, you, if you have a Bible, if you need a Bible, there's one on the, there are ones underneath the chair in front of you. You can go online on our version app, use that. Go to our live events, type in 44333. Go to our Bath campus there, and you can click on that. and should just pull, up the, pull it right up for you there. But if you don't have a Bible, grab one of those from underneath the chair in front of you. And if you, need, if you really need a Bible, please, um, that, that's yours there. That's great. So verse 8, here we go. Therefore, Although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. See, Paul had a level of authority with Philemon because Philemon was a person who had, you know, Paul's working with, planning his church, has this little house church thing going on. He's a wealthy person and he has all these things. And, and Paul, um, you know, Philemon knew Paul and Paul was a, obviously a spiritual influence into his life. And, he, and Paul's like, you know, I could just kind of tell you what to do. And he usually would listen. He said, but I don't want to do that. He says, yet I prefer to, uh, I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Paul loved Philemon. He cared about him. He cared about his heart. It is none other than Paul, an old man and also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. If you're looking for a child name, some of you I know are expecting children sometime. <laughs> Onesimus. Hey, he'd be original. You know, he'd be creative. It won't be on any top whatever list. You can call him Baby O, Big O, something like that, whatever he is. I, I, okay. Um, just, just saying. If you, you can credit me for the idea and your credit to your life, that's fine. Um, he said, who became my son while I was in chains? Formerly he was useless, useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Onesimus was a, he ran away from Philemon. And so when Paul says You're, he's my son, what he doesn't mean is that he adopted him into his family. He's not really his biological son or anything like that. He's using that just as a picture of a spiritual picture of a spiritual son. This individual, Onesimus, what happened was he ran away from Philemon. And he ditched his responsibilities and most likely stole from Philemon. And he ran away. And Paul somehow came in contact with him, led him to Jesus, said, you know, showed him, in, um, you know, your life used to be like this. But with Jesus, Jesus wants to work, change your life. And so now Onesimus has a life, my life changed one story because of what God did in his life. Paul is participating in that, right? And so Paul is there and he says, now this is my son. I value him. I care about him. He was just kind of useless to you before. I mean, for you, you just, you're mad at him, fed up with him because he ditched you and because he ran away and he stole from you, whatever. He said, now, but now I want to let you know, Philemon, he's a believer now. He's a child of God. Now he has use for you in your life. And you know, we're all valuable people and all that stuff. And he keeps going, verse 12. He says, I'm sending him. So Paul's looking at Onesimus. He says, I'm sending Onesimus, who's my very heart, back to you. So you see, Paul's, listen to the language he uses to describe his relationship with these people. He loved Philemon. He says, I'm sending Onesimus, who is my heart. I'm passionate about this young man. This guy can do big things for God. I, I, you know, I, I'll bleed with this guy. I love locking arms with him. I'm sending him back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me because he's doing great things. And while Paul's in prison, he was able to do a lot of great things. He said, so he could take your help in, in helping, take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent. Paul valued Philemon's 
opinion. Paul valued Philemon's relationship. Paul valued Philemon's brotherhood, his friendship. He's like, I could just keep Onesimus with me and say, you know, I know. No, Philemon will never know anyway. No one's videotaping this, right? There's no internet. No one's going to know what's happening here, right? So it's just, I just could just keep Onesimus here and forget about Philemon. He's, you know, probably shouldn't own slaves anyway, whatever. You could, no, he says, but I did not want to do anything without your consent. He cared about that relationship so that any favor you would do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Listen, I know he's a runaway slave before, but now he is our brother. When you welcome, I'm going to send him back to you. He has great worth to you. Because not only, he used to be your slave, but now he's your co-laborer. Now he wants to lock arms with you and change the world. And so, and that's what he's talking about here. So verse 17 says, so if you can consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Paul's like, whatever he did, if you want to hold it against him, hold it against me instead. I'll pay for whatever. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, showing the value which he had towards this letter. He didn't have some ascribed to this. He writes this with his own hand to show his value that he has towards um, Philemon. He says, I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I love that kind of boldness that Paul has. Hey, you know, I'm writing this. I want to I encourage you, but I do want to you remember I, you do owe me. <laughs> you know, um, he, he's still, Paul is still as human. Um, he says, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. So we have the three people in the story. You have three characters. We have Onesimus, who was the slave, run away, stole, was not a believer when he was with Philemon, ran away, came to know Paul, became a believer in Christ, and now he's with Paul. Now Paul's like, you need to go back and make things right with Philemon. You need to go back there. You're unfinished business. You have Paul, kind of the peacemaker here, right? I love Onesimus. He's a, you know, he's a great young man. I've poured my life and my soul into this guy, and I've seen him go from death to life right in front of my eyes. God is doing great things in his life. I could use him here. He could go continue to con- the message, so important, all this stuff. So he's like, there. so Paul's like, but, but then I love Philemon too. He's my partner. He's my brother and all this stuff too. I want to get these guys back together. I got to get this. Like, if we're a united front, imagine what we could do. So Paul's working as the peacemaker. And then, and then you have Philemon. Philemon, who is the, you know, the one who was offended in this. So three people, Philemon, Peter. I mean, yeah, Philemon, Peter. But Peter might have been there too. No, I'm just kidding. Philemon, Paul. And if we had Peter, if we had Mary too, then it would be like a 70s song. But anyway, so you had, um, so you had Philemon, Paul, and Onesimus. All three characters, all three individuals playing three distinct roles. The roles were being the one who was the offender, Onesimus, hurt Philemon. Paul, being the peacemaker, Philemon was the one who was offended. When we walk through life and we, we interact with people, one thing is, there's a few things that are true in this world. I'm not going to grow any more hair back on my head, okay? Not, not, to, not in full head. You know, um, we will probably, you know, you have to pay taxes. And the other thing is um, that when you're in relationships with people, there's often conflict. When you have people who you love and care about, conflict arises. When you're in a church with people who you love and, and value, conflict does arise. When you're in a work environment, there will be conflict in your relationships at times there. When you're in a life group together, there will be conflict. When you're, in, when you're in youth ministry together, there will be conflict. When you're in high school together, there is conflict that arises. And so what do we do towards that? So I'll tell you, my life changed when I chose peace. And the whole goal today 
it's considered, no matter what circumstance or role you're playing in those relationships, that you'll pursue peace. Maybe you're the offended person. You know, maybe you've really been hurt before. Someone's taken advantage of you. They've abused you. They've, you know, just talked bad about you. They hurt you deeply. Maybe that's you today in that relationship. Maybe you're the peacemaker. I just want everybody to get along. Come on, we'll be so much better. Oh, man, I, I like the one. They left our group, but I want to try to get all back together because I like what we're doing. Maybe you're the peacemaker today. Maybe you're the, maybe you're the one who's been offended. I mean, the offender. Maybe you're the one who's causing the deep pain, causing the deep hurt. So maybe those roles don't really resound. Maybe you're thinking, ah, man, I'm not really offended too much by people, you know. I mean, I don't like that outfit someone's wearing or, you know, what that person said to me or I didn't like this or that, or, you know, that movie, whatever. Um, maybe that doesn't really resound to you. Maybe the offender part, you're like, I think I'm a pretty good guy. I don't feel like I'm hurting people that much. And maybe your peacemaker, sound, that just sounds kind of weird. It sounds like a big old gun or something, right? You know, it's like, what do I, what's a peacemaker anyway? So I want you to kind of think about this. Think about your relationships that you have right now. Think about this, these people. You know, maybe, maybe you're walking through the mall, and, you know, and you're just like, oh, you're walking through the mall, and you see that person coming. You know the person I'm talking about. You're like, you have to make that choice. Do I run the gauntlet of all the people handing out free stuff at the kiosk in the middle and try to think of reasons why to blow them off? Or do I just ditch into one of these stores so I don't have to talk to that person? That's a relationship right there that might need some work. You know, so you're just like, oh, boy, here they come. So you jump into Build-A-Bear real quick, and you don't have a kid with you. And you're like, in Build-A-Bear, it's like, oh, man, that's a rabbit. I guess it's Easter time or something. It's like, and so now you just look like a creepy guy, like some, you know, adult hanging out in a kid's store. Oh, I'm just buying something. For, and then you're thinking, whatever. Just because you didn't want to see that person. You know, we as followers of Jesus, when we approach people in relationships, that's not good. We have those people. Maybe it's that person, they, they send you a text. And it pops up on your phone. You're like, oh, boy, if I open this, it's going to say I read it. And then I'll have to respond. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? Or you're on, send him a message on, you know, that antiquated thing, Facebook. And he sends something on there. And it's like, oh, they'll see that I, or they send you one. They'll see that I read it. No, what do I do? That might be a relationship you might need to work on. So I want you to think about those types of relationships right now. Are there any strained relationships in your life? Maybe there are family members that you... They don't come to your house anymore for family things because of something that's happened in your family. Maybe it's just your kids. No matter what you try, you can't get them. You know, your grown kids, you just can't get them to be together or come together. Maybe it's that person in your school when you're walking down the hallway and you see them and you're thinking, I, all I want to do is punch them in the face. And I hope they don't, they don't even think about looking at me. Or maybe it's that person you just think, I, I just got to tell all my friends and gossip about them real bad because it makes me feel better putting them down because how bad they hurt me. Or maybe you're in a relationship and you're thinking, I have these friends who, you know, we were in life group together and they seemed to love one another and we were, had a great time and then all of a sudden now because of something that happened between those two, things aren't the way that they used to be. You know, we see a lot of different stories that have happened. So I want you to think about those three roles. The offender. Have you hurt people? Is that why the relationship's not good? Have you been, or have you been offended? Have you been hurt? See, Paul, Paul in the story here, Paul knows what it's like to be the offender. I mean, he had a pretty bad track record before he became Paul. His goal was to obliterate Christianity from the map, okay? So these people following Jesus called followers of the way, and his goal was to end it, right? Do it, imprison them, do whatever it took, throw the people in jail, have them executed, whatever it took so the message of the gospel would not be spread around the world. That was his mission. He was an offender. He hurt people. He broke up families. He, was, he, he looked on as people were executed. We can see that in the scriptures. He was an offender. But Paul also knew what it was like to be offended. 
he'd stand up for the gospel and get hit with rocks, okay? He's writing here, I'm in these chains because of the gospel. He's in prison. People offended and hurt him. He knows what it's like to be offended. He knew it both, thing, both things, but now he's around to work as the peacemaker. So I'd encourage you to think about this. So when you think about those strained relationships, we want to move our lives. My life changed when I move toward peace. Listen to what Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says. You can look at page 790 in your Bible, which is one verse. This might be a good one for you to memorize this week. By the way, just a little sidebar, and I can do what I want today, right? It's the last service. I'm just free willing here. No, I'm just kidding. But Romans 12, 18 would be a Bible memory is a great, is a great discipline to have in your life. Memorizing Bible verses because it really helps in, in, in situations we enter and helps us remember God's word um, because we can't always carry the Bible around with us, but we can learn it in our head. But Romans 12, 18 is a great verse for some of us because some of us, especially if you're dealing with relationships right now and you're one of those rules we talked about. Listen to what Paul says. Paul is writing this in a context in Romans 12 as saying, this is what a genuine believer looks like. Someone who's a follower of Christ, this is the kind of traits that they should exhibit in their life. If you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus, at some time this should start popping up. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Paul doesn't make the, say the command here, live at peace with everyone. If it didn't have those first two phrases, that'd be really hard. Because there's no guarantees. I can't always be at peace with everyone. Jesus, perfect was not always at peace with everyone, right? People hung him on a tree, right? I mean, he didn't always, wasn't always at peace. He did his best to make peace. In our relationships, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'm going to talk about that some more here in a second, but I want you to watch this story. My life changed when I love these stories that we get to, see, to be part of people's lives where people open up their hearts and do it. And, and you watch this powerful story about how um, when an individual did what they could do as much as possible to live at peace with everyone. Watch this story. Hi, my name is Zach, and my life changed uh, when I chose peace. Um, you know, in, in my life, I've really only had uh, two people that I ever really counted as, as very good friends. Um, and when I was 19 years old, uh, one of them shot and killed my older brother in the kitchen of my apartment. And when I was 25 years old, um, my wife and I were in a church, and it was um, there was a gentleman there mentoring us and teaching my kids Sunday school class that I later found out had been having an affair with my wife. Um, we eventually got a divorce based on that. Um, two years ago, when I accepted Christ, um, I had a lot of issues um, with trust, uh, with bitterness, um, with quite frankly just pure hatred, and. Over about a six-month process of really just praying about it and, and giving it over to the Lord. And, and when those people entered my mind, um, instead of um, being filled with so much hatred, just, just really praying and, and trying to give it over to God in the best way that I know how. Um, God has really turned both situations upside down. Uh, the gentleman that shot my brother, I was able to reach out to um, through uh, texting and through letters um, with a, a, an amazing positive response from him. And um, since then, my relationship with my ex and her new husband has uh, grown by leaps and bounds um, to the point to where last summer when my wife and my children were baptized, her and her husband and family actually attended the baptism services. 
You see more stories like that. MyLifeChangeWhen.org. But isn't that a powerful story that Zach dealt with? The pain that he must have faced. To see someone who he loved very much die. To see a person he trusted very much. That trust be broken. As you always said, though, introduced to Christ and how God began to change his life. And you see the slow rebuild of different relationships. And listen, as the Bible says here, do your best. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But just because we're trying to live at peace doesn't mean things are always going to be fixed or always going to be perfect, right? Um, that story, things didn't just automatically come back. You know, there's stories in your life where you maybe went through major life things, major hurts. Maybe you've tried to fix things. Or maybe you've hurt people. you tried to fix things. And it just never came back to where it was before. I mean, that's just part of life. We're real people living in a real world with real hurts. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try our best to live at peace. So when you think about your relationships, I really believe it's our responsibility as a follower of Christ to look at who Jesus is and look at how he approached us in relationship. And when he says to us, he says, I want you to love me above all else and then love your neighbors yourself. He says, you don't have the right anymore to just treat people with a lack of respect. You don't have the right anymore just to blow people off. People are too valuable. Relationships are too valuable for you to at least not try to fight for them and do the best that you can with God's power to work it out. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I see a story about how God, I think, really was an example of this. How God himself, in a mighty way, and how we all have something in common here and these different roles play out. Ephesians chapter 2, you can see page 814 in those Bibles. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians is another letter written by Paul. Same guy who wrote Philemon, who we've been talking about, the peacemaker here. Verse 3 says this. He says, all of us, he's talking about all of us. When he says all of us, he means all of us, even all of us in this room, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Stop there for a minute. He says, all of us were at one point living a life that was opposed to God. We were saying, I want to do things my way. God created a world with a standard to live by. And we said, God, I want to live my own way. I want to do my own thing. We want to gratify my own desires. I want to fill my, fulfill my own cravings. I want to get what I want and do it. And some of us maybe are still living there right now. He said, all of us are doing that. Well, what that is, that's us being offensive to God. We're offending our creator. Because God created us and made us with purpose. And we're saying, God, I, I, you have a plan. You have a purpose, whatever. I want to do things my own way. So, and God looks at it and says, because by that, by nature of that, you are objects of wrath. It says, all of us deserve wrath, God's judgment on us. We've offended the Most High God by choosing our way instead of God's way. Verse 4 is beautiful, though. One of the best words in all the Bible. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. We were there. God, who's rich in mercy, who is the offended, stepped into our world through his son Jesus to make peace so that we have an opportunity to have things made right between us and God, so that we have an opportunity to experience life change, so we have the opportunity to get back to being the people that God created us to be and have an understanding and a glimpse of who it is and what it is that we were made for. But God, who's rich in mercy, broke into our world. So if we want to be 
followers of Christ, we talk about life change. We come and we sing songs about how great God is. We can't be people who just claim to worship God and follow God and love people, but then look at our relationships and don't do what we can do to, to move towards peace. Peace isn't guaranteed, but it's something we all need to move towards in our relationships. We don't have the right anymore just to blow people off. It's not good if we're the ones ditching people when we see them walking through the mall. It's not good if we're just not ignoring family members. That's not who God called us to be. We need to make sure that we're doing the best that we can do by God's power, because we can't do it on our own. So as you think about this, I want us to think about where we go from here. So as we look at our lives. So let me tell you a little story about um, you know, ways in which I can blow it. I mean, I'm very much an imperfect person, OK? I do things that are dumb. And you know, I mean, um, I do things that are not smart. And I, and, but what I've found is what marriage has really taught me, my first year of marriage especially, I really thought I was a good guy. And then I realized how selfish I am, right? You know, and kids come along, and it's like, really? It's like, oh, I really am self-centered. I do do what I want to do. And so I don't know what do-do is, but I do what I want to do. <laughs> You know, I always say, I do-do. What's that mean? Okay. Just sorry. Little faux pas. There we go. All right. Cool. Um, <laughs> so as you think about it, so the other night, my son, my son Finn is a great young man. I love that boy with all of my heart. He's 15 years old. He went to this thing um, on this weekend, some Comic-Con thing up in Cleveland. He's all about comic books. People dress weird and all that stuff. You know, grown men dress up like their childhood superheroes and all that stuff. And and they still have jobs at places, which is amazing. Um, I think they do. They have to pay the ticket to get in there somehow, uh, unless maybe they're whatever. I don't know. But anyway, so they're there. And so he went to this thing. He's all excited about it. He went for a good friend from church, and they had a great time and all that stuff. So thankful that he was able to go. Well, Friday night, I was kind of tired. We, Tara and I went to this, uh, this function, and we were having a good time. But I was kind of tired, and I'm thinking, it's time for some me time. I would never say that out loud, because Pastor Jeff would probably hit me in the face. But, um, but that's what I was acting like. I was like, I'm tired. I just kind of want, OK. Well, he sits down and wants to tell me about all of the ins and outs of all the comic book variants in which he per- purchased and all this stuff. And I'm like, OK. I mean, I, superheroes are cool, but I don't need to know all this information. And so as he's pouring out his heart, this lovely 15-year-old young man who's passionate, a great kid, loves, loves the Lord, all these things, as he's pouring out his heart, I do this thing that some of us do sometimes, very dumb mistake. I pull out my phone and start just scanning through like emails. And while he's talking to me, I was looking at my phone, kind of trying to do two things at the same time. You know, multitasking is just really an excuse for me to do what I want to do and still look like I'm paying attention, right? Um, You know, so that's what I'm doing. I'm like, okay, uh uh-huh, yeah, oh, sounds good, Uh uh-huh, fine, yes, nice, okay. Ultron, that's wonderful, okay, variants. I don't even know what that is. Okay, I'm just going through that. Well, he tells everything, and he's gracious, and he gets up and walks out of the room, and my wife looks at me, and she, by her face, I could tell, you are a moron and an idiot and a jerk. Here's your son, Brad, your son, coming in here, opening up his heart, and you're more concerned about that phone. What's on that phone that's so important anyway? Oh, man, I am a jerk. You know, you guys ever feel like that way? Have you ever do that before? Am I the only one? I know I'm not the only one, because I've been in meetings with some of you. OK. <laughs> oh, yeah, huh? I love what you're saying there, huh? OK. Yeah, uh-huh, sounds great, yes, uh-huh. That's great you're burning and on fire with oil right now. Wonderful, awesome, right? I was the offender, though. I did the wrong. I hurt him. And maybe he didn't even care that much about it. But you pile those things up, you can really have a bad relationship, right? I hurt him, 
And so my wife was the peacemaker. She stepped in and did the hard thing and said, hey, Brad, um, you know, pay attention. Here's what happened. Here's what you did. You, you, you were wrong. You offended him. And there's my son who's just trying to open up and talk to me and get me excited about what he's excited about. And he's the offended, right? I heard him. So I had to get up off the bed and go in there and apologize to him and say, I'm sorry. You know, I, I was wrong to you. I hurt you. And I apologize for that. You guys, maybe you have this situation in your life. Maybe that's you. That seems like a trivial thing. But relationships are important, right? We need to value individuals. People are worth fighting for. They're valuable people created by the Lord, created in his image with worth. Especially if they're Christians, whether they're being a brother and sister in the Lord, that is your sibling in Christ. We need to work. So what do we do? So as you think about this, where do we go from here in the, in the last moments that we have together? Where do we go? So I want you to think about those relationships, those ones that are strained, those ones that maybe you've strained or the ones that you're trying to see fixed. So there's three things. I'm no expert, all right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, right? You know, it's, um, for me, I'm, it's like we're just trying to figure this out together. The three things. So what, first one, maybe if you're the offended person, what do you do? If you're the person that's been sinned against, you're the person who's been hurt. You're the person who's suffered the brunt of someone else's attack. You're the one who's paying the price. You're the ones with deep wounds and with pain. Some simple things for us to think through, and, you know, and we'd love to help you with these things. If you're, struggling, if you're wrestling through things, we've got people who are great with this kind of stuff. We'd love to help you with it. One thing I would encourage you to do is, have you ever talked to that person and let them know that they hurt you? Have you ever come before them and said, hey, I want to let you know, you hurt me. What you did was wrong. Because a lot of times I think what happens is we offend people and we don't even realize it. Or we're offended by someone and the person who's doing it, they're just kind of, they're forgetting about it or whatever. We need to be the people who say, I want to move towards peace. And so for me to move towards peace if I'm hurt means I'm going to reach out and try to talk to this individual about what they did. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Because some things, all we want to do is either punch them in the face, you know, if you're real aggressive, or if you're me, captain confrontation, which is the opposite of what I am, you might just say, well, we'll just let that go. Let it slide along. Make, make everything look like it's fine. Just kind of bury it deep. That, that would be, that's a good, healthy way to live life, right? And then later you get, you know, some, you know, some little, little thing happens and you blow up on everybody else, right? You just want to hide it inside and become, get a bitter heart. That's not what God wants for us either. People are valuable enough that we should fight for them. So if someone has hurt you, maybe you need to talk to them. I have a feeling that some of us, we're really good at talking to everybody else about them instead of talking to them about it. I mean, do you know what they said about me on Twitter? Can you believe that? Can, do you know what that person did to me? Can you believe that? Who, look at them walking around with the nerve to act like that. Don't you know? Oh, look, look at them. They're out there and they're in the church and look, they're the leader. And they're acting, I mean, come when was the last time you actually, when a person hurt you, you went and talked to them? Your spouse. Don't just hide things down. Work it out. Do the hard thing. Do the best of all that you can do to live at peace with another person, with the other people. Be at peace with everyone. So maybe you've talked to the person about it and nothing's changed. Then what do you do? Well, you can do the best that you can with God's strength to live at peace. And so that means sometimes you just release that person over to God. Not release them over like, God, get them. You know, not that guy. You know, off with their head. No, that's bad, mean behavior. We don't hurt people, okay, right? But that's maybe what you want to do. That's your natural self. It's like they, they cut down your pride, they hurt you, and you're like, it's like, okay, it's on. Don't you know who I am? You know, no, we don't need that. But maybe what we need to do is say, God, I will give them over to you and pray for them. Pray that God will change their heart. 
God is living and active. We're not just figuring this out on our own. God is at work in people's lives. God is at work to change lives. The only reason why we have life change stories is because of God. God wants to work. So maybe that's when you release them over God and pray for that person and say, God, I want you to work in their life in a mighty way. Because God, I realize myself that I, by nature, am not worthy of being called your follower, but you stepped into my world and changed my life. I need to give that same kind of grace to other people. And then, you free, and, and then it's forgiving them. Doesn't mean, necessarily mean the relationship will all be better or all be fixed, and it might not be. But forgive them, just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example. It's really easy to say we want to be Christians or little Christ and followers of Christ. That saying it and thinking it's a lot harder than acting it out. This is where, the, this is where the, um, the rubber meets the road, where we need to act out what God calls us to do. And that means treating people with love and respect, even if they hurt us, even if we're hurt by them. Maybe you're in a close relationship with people and you have friendships and you see them dissolving in front of you. Maybe this is if you're the peacemaker right now. You know, maybe you'd love to see your kids come back together for Sunday lunch or something. Or maybe you're thinking, boy, you know, I would, um, I'd love to see my friends be able to hang out together again. Maybe you're the one who's thinking, boy, I'd love to see these people come back to our real life group, or life group, I guess you're calling it now. I'd love to see these people be part of this again. And you're thinking, what do I do? Well, first of all, don't be nosy, okay? No one likes that person. You know, the guy's looking over the fence, seeing what's going on in your house. They know every card that you buy before you even drive it home, right? You know, that kind of guy. They know, they know every, every time they talk to you, it's about what you did on, what you put on Facebook or something. It's like, what are you doing? Just reading through the news feeds all the time? You know, we don't need to be nosy, meddling in everything. It's like, hey, I saw that picture from five years ago. You look good back then. It's like, whoa, that's a little creepy, right? You don't need to be nosy. Like, um, hey, oh, what's my license plate number? I don't remember. Oh, I know what your license plate number is. You know, that's, that's creepy. We don't need to be that person. But we do need to care enough about people's lives where we're ready to take the courageous step to step into their life and help them. Think about Paul. Paul saw two people who he loved. And he knew that they needed to get this sorted out. Who are the people right now that you love deeply that you know they need to get it sorted out? What role can you play in that? So it's pray for guidance from the Lord, but it's taking the courage to step up and, and talking to them about it. Saying, hey, you're worth, your friendship is worth this. I see, I see you as a couple, you're melting down. I just want to let you know I'm here for you. Whatever it is, step into people's lives. Move toward peace. Don't run away from it. Because that's what everybody else does. Our, our world is fine with conflict. There's 7 billion people in the world. Just try not to run into that person anymore. I'll just block them on on, on the internet. Our world is fine with conflict. Conflict happens, but we as people, as followers of Christ, need to understand the message that Christ gives us. That we need to become people. As his ambassadors to our world, going out and trying to help people. But it's not being arrogant like you know it all. Because you've been in conflict too. And you've had to have people come into your life. But it's humbly going before people and saying, hey, I'm here for you. And what can I do? Courageously, taking the step of courage to do it. So the thing about being the offended is being courageous enough to go to, your, to the person who hurt you, being a peacemaker, taking, being humble and courageous to step into people's lives. And then maybe you're the offender. Maybe you're the one who blew up your family. Maybe someone has deep, deep wounds right now because of you, because you're hurting them or you hurt them badly. Maybe you're the one, maybe you're the reason why that person doesn't go to your group anymore. Maybe you're the one that's causing people to duck into stores whenever they see you come walking by. Maybe you're the one that's walking down, when these people see you walking down the hallway, they're, you're, they're thinking of all the wrongs and what you did to your classmates. 
Maybe you're the one who's caused the pain. Maybe you're the reason why your kids don't want to get together anymore. What do you do about that? First thing, you, uh, you know, is to own it. Realize and admit that you did wrong. Not going out to people and say, hey, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. You know, can we just move on from this? No, it's man enough or woman enough, whatever that would be. Instead of I'm saying, I'm going to do the right thing. Listen, I was wrong what I did to you. What I said about you, this thing that I said about you, that was hurtful, wrong, and unfair for me to do towards you. Will you forgive me for that? God, when, when we mistreat his children, when we mistreat people in this world, we, we are violating the standard that God has for us. So it's not only admitting to man, but it's admitting to God, saying, God, I am a person who's causing pain in someone else's life. Will you forgive me for my actions? That takes a lot of humility to say I was wrong. So many people, it's always about, I just got to prove that I was right. I just got to win the argument. I just, or I'll just blow people off. We don't have that right anymore. We are childs of the one true king. We are people. It's his children who should exemplify him into our world. So admitting that we're wrong. So maybe, for, maybe that person, maybe some situation is coming up in your mind right now. You need to fix it. Not fix it by your own strength, but fix it because you have a relationship with the Lord and you're going to do the best that you can as much as it's possible for you to live at peace with everyone. You need to take the step. Don't wait for them to come back and confront you. Maybe you need to make the phone call, set up the coffee appointment so you can talk to them about it. Maybe you need to be the one who grabs them aside after school tomorrow and says, hey, if there ever is school in, this, in Ohio, right? right? <laughs> Pulling them aside and saying, hey, I need to talk to you about this. What I did was wrong. Maybe that's where you need to step in. I'm not sure what it is that God is working in your heart, and it's between you and him anyway. All I know is God's word is living and active. His spirit is at work in our hearts, and God wants our lives to change. We always like to say in our youth ministry that God loves you completely where you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you there. We need to be pursuing and moving towards peace. So as we close up here, the band's going to come out. I want you to process through those relationships. What strained relationships are there that you're part of in your life? What role is it that you're playing right now? And what is it that God is calling you to do? Is God working in your heart? Is God bringing a person to mind? Don't delay. Just thinking about it does about as good as just thinking about exercise. Right? It's the action that we have to do that God calls us, gives us the opportunity and strength to do. So as we sing through these next songs, we pray here in a minute as we sing through these next songs, I'd encourage you to not run out and do all whatever activities you have planned in this heat wave that we're having right now. Um, no, don't run off. Sit and just think about what is that God, has, God is working at in my life. Think through the words of these songs about the greatness that God is. And maybe your life will change when you move towards peace. Isn't it great that God gives us the opportunity to have life change? I'm so glad I'm not the same person I was at 25. You know? but I still got a long way to go. So what a privilege it is to be able to work it out together. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word and for its truth. Thank you, Lord, that it doesn't, it's not dependent on the person, but Lord, but how it is that you work in our hearts. So Lord, right now, as your word speaks to our hearts, through song or whatever, Lord, I really pray that you'll work in our lives to help us to value people the way that you value them. That our hearts will will be burdened to move towards peace in our relationships.
that we won't be satisfied with attention. But we'll do the best, whatever it comes down to, as much as we can do to live at peace with everyone. Lord, some people right here are really offended and hurt right now. Some things have gone on in their life and they're dealing with some serious, serious things. I pray, Lord, that you'll comfort them right now. Pray, Lord, you'll comfort them in their pain and in their heartache. Pray that you'll just strengthen them today. And if you're calling them, Lord, to do whatever it is that you're calling them to do, Lord, I pray that they'll have the strength to do it. Lord, I pray you rise people up around them who will be able to help them and be there for them. But I thank you, Lord, for who it is that you're working on. Lord, if there's those who are the offenders in here, Lord, I pray that they'll seek forgiveness. Seek forgiveness from the people, but seek forgiveness, uh, most importantly, from you, God. Lord, they'll stop doing the wrong. Pray, Lord, that we will never be people who will just sit and listen. But, Lord, we'll hear the word and put it into action. Lord, I praise you for those right now who are having the burden for their loved ones, their friends, that they want to try to be the peacemaker. Lord, we know you're the one who can change hearts. And so, Lord, I pray for the peacemakers right now that they'll be constantly in prayer before you that you will change people's lives. But, Lord, they'll look for ways in which they can do what they can do to live at peace with everyone. You are a great God and worthy of our praise and worthy of our time. And I pray, Lord, now as we sing and spend the rest of this time together, that you'll continue to change our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.